Hey, go ahead and take your copy of the scripture, if you will, and turn to the book of Esther. Esther chapter 5. Someone asked me a few moments ago, are you still in the book of Esther? Well, I said, yeah, the story's not complete yet. It's not finished. You know, it's awesome to know that we're able to see the unfolding drama of redemption in the scripture, that it is a drama. I like dramas. I, I do. I like to watch dramas on TV. I like to see the way they play out. Of course, usually for us, you know, we, we can't quite see the ending uh, all at once. It has to kind of like build to a point and then, of course, come to that resolution that we were desiring as we watch those dramas on television. You know, in the scripture... We see a drama, we see a story, and we see the way it's like playing out. In our lives, we see a drama and the way it plays out. And a lot of times we can't see. Now listen, I believe God can see. I believe God knows everything that happens. And I do know the end of the story. I do know how things are going to come to a finality here in this world in our lives. But as we walk along, we may not know every day exactly what it's going to look like. We don't know every aspect of the actions or the story that we see, but we get to participate in the drama. Hey, this week we, get, we got to participate in the drama of Vacation Bible School, and there was a little drama. Were you around? I thought I'd get a whole lot more amens, those of you who worked it. I mean, it was just drama with the energy and the other things that were going on as we came. And certainly, we got to pour into uh, children, invest in them. There are those, as you heard Brother Dale say a minute ago, those who accepted Christ. And I've already been contacted by some of those parents who are going to uh, come and talk with me about things. And, of course, then we're going to see their kids baptized at that right moment. That's a glorious thing. We give praise to God for what he's done through that. We get to participate in that. We get to participate in the drama of mission and the gospel. Those of you who read my tidings article, all two of you, you probably noticed this week that we have a lot of folks who are gone in missions. Today, Jason and the singles are coming back from Los Angeles, and they've been there for a whole week participating in the drama of God, in the mission of God, in the story of God. To, yesterday... Brother John and many of the youth, and there were a lot of them. I was up here delivering my wife and my daughter about 4.30 yesterday morning, and there was a whole big group of them out in the parking lot. I started just to have church then. They left for Calgary, Canada, to help with the Multiply Church. So they're gone this morning, and had a lot of them. We want to pray for them, but they're getting to participate in the story of God. They're getting to participate in the drama. Yesterday, well, Friday, I guess, Brother Ben and Brother Loy and several folks went down to Baton Rouge to conduct camps and help out a local church plant yesterday. And they're worshiping with them there this morning. You know, I got to looking at that, and at first I thought, man, I'm not going to have anybody to preach to come Sunday morning. So I'm so proud you showed up. But then it began to set in with me just a little bit of what we always say around here, and that is we want to be known not for our seating capacity, of how big this building is. We want to be known for our sending capacity, how we can send people out for the gospel of Christ. We want to make sure that we are sending people. And that should be, that should be at the foremost of our minds and our hearts every day. And today we know that we have many who are serving. Just as we continue to serve here like we did through Bible school this week, we have others of our body who are going all over this nation, literally, and even into the nations, making a difference. It's part of the drama. 
part of the story of God. We don't always know every action. We don't always know every event, how things are going to go in certain instances. But we do know that it's worth the risk. And we do know that there is a reward that is given to each and every one of us as we serve him, as we seek him. I want you to look at this this morning, the story of Esther as we've been following. We see it is, it is a drama, as I said. I mean, you can feel it building. If you've read through the story, if you read through the first four chapters, you can see that there is a great challenge that has come against the people of God. There is evil, there is hostility that has been embodied in a man named Haman. And he has devised a plan, a plot to exterminate the Jewish people. He has all authority to carry it out. And yet, God had chosen a queen. He had chosen this woman named Esther for such a time as this. In other words, he had a purpose and he had a plan for her. And in the last chapter, chapter 4 that we read last week, we were told that Mordecai, her cousin, the one who had raised her, who had given her instruction, the one who had given her counsel over and over, he had looked at her and he had reminded her that she was in a strategic position to make a difference. She had made a commitment. She said, I'm willing to do it. And if I die, I die. Again, not a statement of fatalism, but a statement of faith and determination. If I die, I die. Whatever comes my way. So she recognized that there are risks behind her actions. But note chapter 5. Because it's one thing to say that you're willing to risk. It's another thing to take the action and actually risk yourself, your identity, maybe even your life for the kingdom. Look in chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. And so it was, when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. So some of you read this and you're thinking to yourself probably, what is the big deal of her coming before the king and what kind of risk is involved? Well, if you, again, read the story and see what has already occurred, Esther has not been summoned by the king in 30 days. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe they've had a marital rift. Maybe they've had a little struggle, right? It happens in marriages. It only happens in my marriage, I guess. And should I confess today while Leslie's gone some of the things maybe? It happens. Some, listen, I hear people sometimes, they, they've been married for quite a while. And I, I know some of you in this place, uh, the building celebrated 50 this week. I think I saw it in the paper. Uh, Rick and Mary Jane celebrated 50, I saw. And probably some of the rest of you, I think, Hogan, is today 51. Did I see that? 51 for you all? Oh, my goodness, how these women are going to be blessed by God one day for what they put up with. <laughs> but, you know, I see people like that and those who've been married forever and now hear them say, Oh, we've never had a crossword. At best, 
your memory is fading. <laughs> At worst, you are nothing more than a liar, all right? So maybe something has happened. I don't know. Esther has not been called to the, to the court. She's not been called before the king for 30 days. And this is the big deal because there is a law that the king must summon you to his court. You cannot just come in unannounced or otherwise you will face the death penalty itself. That's the big deal. So Esther says, hey, I haven't been before him in 30 days. He hasn't seen me. I haven't talked to him. He hasn't called for me. And now I have to go before him. So when she enters that court, when she takes that step, it is more than talking about risk. It is taking a step toward that risk. She is stepping out in faith in so many ways. She is stepping out, knowing that her life may be taken from her instantly because of the king and because of his command. So when she steps in and it says, look, can you, can you see the drama here, by the way? I mean, when you leave chapter 4 and you know that this is the plan, that she's going to go before him. It's kind of like your own edge, if you really think about it, of how this is going to end up. She's going, she says, if I die, I die. And then when she steps into the room, into the court, across the way, you can almost feel the tension. If it had been represented on television or so, you you could hear the music in the background, right? Just building. How is he going to respond? And the scripture says that he extends the scepter. It is a way of communicating welcome. It is a way of communicating, it's okay, Esther. Come in. And she goes and she touches the scepter. Now, let me stop here just a moment. And I want you to see again the risk that she knew would be involved and why she was willing to take the risk. Because this is a big deal for us. There are risks involved in serving Christ. There are risks involved in speaking for the kingdom. There are always going to be risk. Why do I say that? Because there's still a world full of evil and hostility. There's still a world that is trying to push back against Christ and his church and his people. Don't doubt it for a moment. So if you speak for Christ, there will be risk. How can you face that risk? Why would you, why would you take that risk? The reason you and I can take risk for God is because we believe in the great mission. Now, what is Esther's mission? Esther's mission is to save her people. That's what she wants to do. Esther wants to make sure that she can go before the king and and eventually find favor with him and make her request that he would save her people. What's at stake? The nation, her family, herself, everybody that identified ethnically as a Jew, everybody was in jeopardy. So Esther knew that she'd been put in a strategic position in place. And she was willing to risk her own life because of the great mission that God had given her. Because she knew that she could speak and that she could do something about what was going on. And she might save her people. You know, the reason we risk things, the reason we're willing to risk things... It's based upon how great the mission is. 
how great we care about things. How, ba how bad we care about people. You know, there are some things I would risk my life for, and there are other things I would not risk my life for. I would not risk my life for Ole Miss baseball. They've let me down all my life. I let them down my life. You know what I'm saying? Omaha. Ole Miss at home again. That's what it stands for, right? I'm just going to tell you. I don't know if I can preach anymore thinking about this. I don't make many posts. I don't do social media, but I had to just get it. I had to vent it on Facebook. I cannot believe that we've done what we've done. But I wouldn't risk myself for Ole Miss baseball. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk myself, to be honest with you, for any sport. I love sports. But I wouldn't risk my life for those things. I wouldn't risk my life for something that is so temporary. For something that in the end does not really make much of a difference. But what would I be willing to risk my life for? I think I would be able to risk my life or be willing to risk my life for my family. For my wife, my children, even my extended family. I would hope I would be willing to. Why? Because they're a whole lot more important to me than any baseball game or baseball team. They're more important to me than any other temporary thing that I see here on this earth. I'd hope I'd be willing to risk. I hope I'd be willing to risk for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's His bride. It's His people. It is His. And He loved the church. Listen, when I hear people say, I can be a Christian, but, you know, I don't have to be a part of a local fellowship. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do that. Listen, <coughs> it is by faith alone. It is through grace. I know that. But if you're saved, you ought to want to know your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you ought to be willing to sacrifice for them and to love them. Why do I say that? Because Jesus Christ loved the church. He loved it so much, the scripture says, Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says that Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to lay down his life for us. That was the kind of love that he had. We ought to have that love and in a sense, risk it for the church. We ought to be able to take risk or be willing to take risk for the name of Christ. I told our folks Friday who gathered here for our VBS that, you know, it's been a great week that we had. It's wonderful. We were able to sing and do all kinds of things. And look, it even got exciting. Friday, I, I mentioned this, the fourth graders... They ran through the... I was sitting in my office, just sitting there for a few moments, and all, all of a sudden I heard, I heard this just intense volume of voices that began to scream and shout, and I could hear the pounding of feet, and these fourth graders were running all through the office Friday morning. It was intense because, as I said, you know VBS is awesomely loud, Right? Now, it was awesome, though. It, it was weird, and I mentioned this. It was weird to see Ivan running through there like that, too. I don't... 
fourth graders I could understand don't know why you had to participate, but anyway, I, mean, it, I hope you got it out, brother. I hope you did. You know, those things happen. That's great. We have all that activity. But don't forget, the purpose of VBS is about one person, and that is Jesus Christ himself. It's not about everything. It is about Jesus. The Kool-Aid and the... We don't even do that anymore, do we? Well, yeah, we do. Kool-Aid, cookies, all those kinds of things. It points toward Jesus. The songs should point toward Jesus. The lessons should point toward Jesus. Everything that we do. Because he is the primary individual. He's the, he's the center of our lives. And he, should, he is worthy of risking it all for. Esther risked her life because she knew she had a great mission. And for us, it starts with a great mission. What are we willing to risk ourselves for? It all depends on how much we care about it. How much we're committed to it. Wednesday, June 6th, this past week. It was the 74th anniversary of the D-Day landing. I'm always overwhelmed when I think about that day. Went back and read some different articles this week. Saw a couple who are still living who had written about or spoken about that day. The largest military invasion in history. Thousands and thousands of young men who stormed the beaches of Normandy under intense fire, under what seemed like certain death. And yet they risked it all. Why? Because they believed in the great mission. They believed that they were fighting against tyranny. They were fighting against that which was evil. They were trying to uphold freedom and they were there for one another in this great battle. It pressed them on. They kept going because they believed in the purpose and in the fight. Folks, I say to you, the only reason, the only way we will risk everything for the kingdom is when we actually believe that the kingdom is worth it. When we actually believe that this is the great task God has given us and we must commit ourselves to it. Are you willing to take the risk? Some of you who are business people here, you take risk all the time. You invest great money in different places with the hope and the prayer that it will come back in some type of reward. You invest in your business, you invest in your school, you invest in your workplace, you invest in all of these. You take risks sometimes. But I say to you that you and I need to be willing to take risks for the kingdom. We need to be able to step out and step out in faith. I say to you that it calls us to take risk to meet the needs of the nations, the salvation of the nations. We believe, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Amen? He's the only way. There is no other way. 
Jesus himself said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's all he said. There, there are other religions. There are other systems. There, there's only one way that you can be saved, and that's through Jesus. And if we believe that, and if we take this to heart, that means that we're going to do everything we can to get the message of Christ out. If we truly believe it. Because there are millions around this world, millions who are dying and going to hell every day because they are apart from Jesus Christ. Isn't it worth taking the risk to get the message to them? Hey, I have framed it this way before, but I want to remind you again. Aren't you proud that there were people who took the risk to bring the gospel here to us in Reston, Louisiana? Aren't you proud that Paul was willing to take the risk of being stoned or being condemned or whatever else would come his way to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And we should have that same determination. We should be willing to take the risk to get the gospel to the nations. But let me back it up and get closer to home. You and I should be able to take the risk or be willing to take the risk to take the gospel to our friends and our family members. Because we can talk about the nations, and it is so important that we're on mission. But you and I should be willing to take the risk to take the gospel to our friends and our family members. Because what I found in my life is so much easier to talk about the gospel with strangers than it is family members sometimes. Now, you may not be like that, but for me, it's much easier for me to talk to somebody I don't even know. Because when I'm talking to a family member, you know, they've got all the things. I've known them forever, and you know, and God challenges me in that. Because we must be willing to step out and say, hey, you know, I'm not sure where you stand in your life with Christ. But let me tell you, what God has done for me through Jesus. And that can be a tough conversation. It can be a little awkward. But how necessary is it? Well, they may not want to talk to me. I've had a good relationship with my sister for a while, and she may just turn me off. Well, I would hope you would not be condescending or obnoxious in your conversation with them. I hope that you would be tender and compassionate, speak the truth. But are you willing? Are you willing to take whatever consequences come in the relationship to let them know about Jesus? Well, if I say much about it at work, you know, they'll think I'm just this, um, just this fanatic, this weird type of Christian, this radical, this different individual. So what? Aren't you and I supposed to be different in our walk with the Lord? So what? Again, not to do it in an obnoxious or a contentious kind of way, just to talk to them about Christ. You and I can do that. No matter what comes our way, it's worth the risk. Because Jesus is worth the risk. Are you willing to take that risk for the kingdom 
for the gospel. She believed in a great mission. That's the reason she went in. Look in verse 3. The king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. So Esther answered, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the scripture says in verse 6, At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. So the king says, What do you want? Now I believe this is the favor of God. The God is turning the heart of the king. It didn't the writer of Proverbs tell us something about how the heart of the king can be so easily turned by our God above, by the sovereign God. And this is our God turning the heart of the king. The king says, what do you want? I'll give you half the kingdom. Now, Esther says, really all I want right now is to have a banquet. She knows her husband, right? What do they say? I heard somebody, because they have experienced it. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. That's a good biblical kind of thing, right? No, no, don't go away and quote that. That is not in the scripture. Some of you just... Well, there's some truth, especially in a hazardous life, because he loves banqueting. Remember chapter 1? We open in a banquet. He loves celebrations. He loves festivities. And the queen says, I want to throw you a banquet. I want you to bring Haman to it. Now, some of you say, why didn't she just ask here? Because obviously she is waiting for God's timing. Because God's timing is everything. I'm going to talk more about that next week. Father's Day. Some of us guys, we need to hear that message. God's timing is everything. So she's waiting for God. She says, I want you to come. They go to the banquet. She says, hey, tomorrow, I want you to come back. Because she is following the Lord. Because this, when I see that she believes in a great mission, I believe also that she has faith in a great God. She believes in a great God. How do I know that? Well, at the end of chapter 4, she looked at Mordecai and she said, go get all the people you can, pray and fast before I go before the king. So in other words, she had already expressed her belief in God, that she believed God had to intervene here at this moment. She knew what the law of the land was, but she also knew the God of the land. And it was not some Persian kind of God. This was the God, Yahweh himself, the God of Israel. He wasn't limited to just a geographical area. He was the God over the Persians as well. And he said, I, she said, I want you to go and I want you to fast and I want you to pray for me. And we're going to do likewise. And the scripture said that they had done this three days. Remember at the beginning of chapter 5? Three days, basically, that they have been praying, they've been fasting. I love the way Chuck Swindoll describes those little blanks between the chapters. 
those little white spaces. You see, we're not told exactly each event of the day besides just the generalization there was prayer and there was fasting. But God was working between chapter 4 and chapter 5. Even though it's not explicitly stated for us, don't miss it. God was still working. And she believed God was working. And she believed that God was going to speak to this king. God has told us to take risk. Not foolish risk. Wise risk. For the great mission, as we have faith in the great God. That we trust Him. Now, I'm not telling you it won't be difficult. You may walk into the court one day, and you may face all the consequences of what that court brings to you. I say that proverbially. I say that symbolically as you look at this passage. Because when she walks in, she's walking in in faith, but she's walking in in faith whatever God decides, right? It's like the three Hebrew children in the fire. They basically tell Nebuchadnezzar, hey, one way or the other, we're going to be delivered. This is what God wants us to do, but one way or the other. Because they believed in a great God. You and I, as we believe in a great God, we're willing to take risk on his behalf. Now, in God's mind, there are no risks. Why? Because God knows all. God knows exactly what's going to happen. So in his view, there are no risks. For us, in our limited view of the future and who we are right now, we take risk, but we trust in the sovereign God above. So we believe in a great mission. We believe in a great God. We believe in a great future. I don't want you to miss this. One of the reasons Esther could walk into that court is because I, I think, and I, I firmly hold this, that she believed in some type of great future. I said this statement that she makes, if I die, I die, is not fatalistic. It is one of faith. And it is the idea that if this is what happens, this is what happens. And she seems to be okay with it. It seems to be like, okay, there's, there's okay future. The future is fine. There's a great future that is here. And you and I are able to face the risks that come with us sharing the gospel with other people in our workplace, in our family, whatever else. Because we know we're not living for this moment. We're living for eternity. There's a great future. Hey, have you looked at the disciples' record? Did you look at their lives? Did you look at the way their lives ended? If you look at the tradition that is set forth of the disciples, every one of them was martyred except John. And John, of course, faced exile and punishment, but every one of them faced martyrdom. In different ways. Tradition, of course, says Peter was crucified upside down, right? Why could they do that? Why could they take the risk for the gospel? Yes, they believed in a great mission. They believed in a great God, but they also believed in a great future. They believed death was not the end for the believer. 
How freeing is that for you and I as believers to recognize that? Death's not the end. As a matter of fact, Jesus looked at his disciples, Luke chapter 12, verse 4, and basically what he said to them is all they can do is kill you. Now think about that just a moment. Jesus looked at them and said, all they can do is kill you. Some of you are looking like, thanks, Jesus. I was kind of hoping for a little more of that, a little more than that. But Jesus said, all they, all they can do is just take your life from you. That's it. They can't, they can't do anything else. Why is that comforting? Because of what Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, for the believer, death is gain. Now, I'm not, I don't have a death wish I, right now. I, I believe God's put us all here for a purpose, a plan. He wants to work in us. Refer to last week's message. Go listen to it for such a time as this. He'll decide when he wants to call us home. But just know this. Whenever that is, it is gain for the believer. There's so much better than what this world has to offer. And it brings me blessing every day to recognize that. It is the truth of the scripture. It is not some pie-in-the-sky theology that a preacher gives you. It is based upon God's word and his promise that there is something better. And if I die, I die. Because there is something that God has prepared. So I'm willing to take risks for the gospel because all they can do is kill this body. Nothing else can separate me from the love of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing. That is the reason Esther had the courage. She had the determination. I say to you, for you to take risk in your relationships with others, for you to take risk on behalf of the gospel, you've got to believe in a great mission, a great God, and a great future. And you know what we need to do? We need, more es we need to encourage more Esthers to step up to the plate. We need to raise more Esthers in our homes so that they'll speak the truth even when it's not politically correct and people push back against them that they'll speak the truth we need individuals that are committed to the gospel of Christ the good news and they're willing to take the risk but the only way we can raise that generation is to be that type of generation are we willing to take the risk are you willing to take the risk for the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son. Lord, we know it wasn't a risk because you take no risk. But Lord, you sent your son to die for us. To suffer. To go through all the things that... All the things that sinful man would inflict upon him. And God, he was faithful and determined. God, thank you for that. Thank you that in a moment we're going to celebrate that sacrifice. And Lord, as we do that, and even in this moment of invitation, would you speak to us? Would you remind us of what the true mission is? The great mission of your good news, of getting it out, of letting people know here and abroad. Just as Esther was committed to save her people, may we be committed to see salvation come in people's hearts and lives. Help us to believe in you as you empower us. Help us to believe that there's something better prepared for us and that we're willing to give it all 
because we know that you have it all. All prepared for us. God, speak to us. We praise you in Jesus' name.